0: Today is Monday, February 22, 2021. On this day in 1978, Jean-Bédel Bokassa, the emperor of Central Africa, celebrated his 57th birthday. It had been more than two months since his coronation. As he celebrated his birthday, he knew he was one step closer to becoming Africa's Napoleon Bonaparte. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of today's subject, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today, we're covering the reign of African dictator Jean-Bédel Bokassa. Let's go back to the morning of February 22, 1978, to the Imperial Palace in Berengo, Central African Empire. Berengo wasn't exactly what one expected an emperor's home to look like. It consisted of farms, warehouses, an airport, and some scattered, modern-looking homes. If anything, Berengo resembled a growing industrial village. It was a far cry from the Palace of Versailles in France, or the Winter Palace in St. Petersburg. And as jean Bidel Bocasa gazed down at his imperial town from his bedroom, he savored the sight. This wasn't just any birthday. This was his first birthday as… emperor. Arguably, the happiest day of Bokassa's life happened just two months earlier, on December 4, 1977. Though Bokassa had been in power for a decade, he decided that Africa needed a new emperor. The previous one, Haile Selassie of Ethiopia, had been overthrown a few years earlier. Saddened by the news, Bokasa began to think that Africa needed a new emperor. Why not himself? So in 1976, the Central African Republic became the Central African Empire, and Bokasa would make sure that his coronation would be won for the ages. Having grown up under the yoke of French colonialism and serving time in the French colonial army, Bocasa was no stranger to French austerity. He was determined to model himself after one of France's greatest leaders, Napoleon Bonaparte. So much so that Bocasa wanted his coronation to be a carbon copy of Napoleon's from 1804. Everything was prepared to emulate French royalty, from the uniforms the soldiers wore to the $2.5 million diamond-encrusted crown that would be placed upon Bocassa's head. Even the food and drinks had some connection to France. When it was all said and done, the cost added up to roughly $22 million, almost $88 million today. And France, as a way to keep an ally happy and their economic interests intact, paid for the whole thing. But there was one thing missing, Pope Paul VI. Like Napoleon, Bocasa wanted the Pope to place the crown upon his head. However, the Vatican declined. The best they offered was sending a representative who would perform a mass after the ceremony. While Bocasa wasn't thrilled that the key element wouldn't be at his big day, he took what he could get. Despite not having the Pope, December 4th, 1977 was everything Jean-Bédel Bocasa could have asked for. He and his wife Catherine were led into the National Sports Stadium, which was jam-packed with roughly 4,000 spectators. Standing in front of a golden eagle, dressed in a toga and velvet cloak, Bokassa swore his oath to the people. He called this moment the greatest victory ever won by the Central African people. And with that, Jean-Bédel Bokassa became Emperor Bokassa I. (laughs) That evening, Bokassa and his guests had a feast not seen in Africa since the days of the pharaohs. Iranian caviar, sturgeon, crayfish rolls, a seven-layer cake for dessert, all washed down with the finest bottles of champagne. However, not all of the food would have been fit for a European monarch. As the plates were being taken away, Bokassa turned to one of his guests and whispered, you never noticed, but you ate human flesh. It didn't matter whether or not Bocasa was joking. Remarks like that reinforced the idea that the man was a laughingstock among the rest of the political world. Of course, Bocasa didn't care. He had finally gotten what he always wanted, a monarchical title. And as he celebrated his 57th birthday a few months after his coronation, he knew that his future and the future of his empire looked bright. What he didn't realize was that the lavish and expensive ceremony was the last straw for many in Central Africa, and it would lead to his downfall. Coming up, Jean-Bédel Bokassa pays the price for his opulent coronation. Listeners, I am thrilled to tell you that this month marks a huge milestone for Parcast. It's the four-year anniversary of another fantastic podcast I host called Serial Killers. If you haven't had a chance to dive into the stories and psychology behind the most nightmarish murderers of all time, there's no better time than right now to start listening. Each week, we enter the minds, the methods, and the madness of the world's most sadistic serial killers. From the son of Sam David Berkowitz and the co-ed killer Edmund Kemper, to Eileen Wardos, Ed Gein, and, coming soon, the Night Stalker Richard Ramirez. And this February, look out for our four-part special on Couples Who Kill, following the worst love has to offer. Their names may sound ordinary, but their atrocities are anything but. Trust me, you do not want to miss it. With hundreds of episodes available to binge, and new ones released weekly, get to to know the killers, crimes and cases that forever changed the face of history. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Serial Killers. New episodes air every Monday and Thursday, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. On February 22nd, 1978, Jean-Bédel Bocasa celebrated his 57th birthday. Just a few months prior, he was crowned emperor of the newly established Central African Empire. And while this wasn't his first birthday as the leader of Central Africa, it was one of his last. Ever since coming to power in 1966, Jean-Bédel Bokassa had seen Central Africa as his own personal fiefdom. While not nearly as deadly as contemporary African dictators like Idi Amin or Francisco Macias Ngema, Bocasa was nonetheless oppressive. Anyone who so much as thought about speaking out of line found themselves and their families thrown into the horrid Ngaragba prison. Ngaragba was a hell on earth in which prisoners were routinely beaten, starved, tortured or executed. The only saving grace a prisoner had was if they were chosen to clean Bokassa's house. Unfortunately, such oppression reverberated throughout the Central African economy. Since decolonization, the country struggled to stay afloat, and with Bokassa using state funds for his own bank account, Central Africa constantly veered toward bankruptcy. France was Bokassa's only saving grace, in a sense. Though they were no longer colonizers, France still wanted Central Africa's resources, uranium, ivory, timber, and diamonds. However, that meant dealing with Bokassa himself, and during his reign, the relationship between Bokassa and France was a constant love-hate. Though it frustrated France to have to foot the bill for Bokassa's lavish coronation, it was better to keep him happy so that they could continue doing business together. However, that didn't mean everyone was willing to play ball. After over 10 years of Bocasa's ostentatious rule at the people's expense, one faction of the nation's community was agitated, the students. For years, Bokasa and the students of Central Africa had a contentious relationship. When the empire was announced, many of the older students realized how dangerous the situation was becoming and began protesting. Bokasa knew he needed to silence these students as quickly as possible in order to preserve his reign. One of the ways he did this was by forcing students to wear uniforms and thus conform. Of course, the government wouldn't provide them. It was up to the people to buy them. But by the fall of 1978, the economy was floundering because of Bocas's spending, and parents couldn't afford their children's uniforms. Rather than change the law, in January 1979, schools in the capital of Bangui barred students out of uniform from entering. It was the straw that broke the camel's back fed up with Bokasa's leadership, or lack thereof, waves of student protests gave way to riots. Bokasa responded by unleashing the military. On the evening of April 18, 1979, the military swept through Bangui and arrested as many children as they could. And for the next few days, these children were tortured and killed at the infamous Ngaraba prison. Eventually, Bocasa freed his prisoners on the promise that they keep their mouths shut and never protest again. However, word had spread of the April arrests. By the summer of 1979, France realized it couldn't work with Bokassa anymore, so they planned a coup. In September 1979, Bokassa went to Libya to strike a financial deal with the oil-rich dictator, Muammar Gaddafi. On September 21st, while still in Libya, Bokassa was awakened and told that French commandos had taken Bangui and installed his distant cousin as president. Without so much as a bullet being fired, the Central African Empire fell. In the days that followed, Bocasa's estates and prisons were raided. Roughly $125 million worth of wealth was confiscated. But more shocking were the human cadavers found in kitchen refrigerators, which gave rise to the rumors Bocasa was a cannibal. However, when Bokassa finally went to trial in 1986 and 1987, cannibalism was one of the few charges he was found not guilty on. It became evident that the rumors were actually a smear campaign by the French press. But that didn't mean he wasn't found guilty of other crimes, such as embezzlement, treason, and murder. Miraculously, he avoided the death penalty and was sentenced to life in prison. On February 29, 1988, eight days after his 67th birthday, Bocasa's sentence was commuted to 20 years hard labor. Five years later, he was granted amnesty and freed from prison. On November 3, 1996, the 75-year-old dictator died of a heart attack. By now, no one uttered his name, nor gave him a passing glance the glory he had spent decades trying to achieve had all but faded. His name had become a mere footnote in history. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more information on Jean-Bédel Bocasa, check out Dictators, a Spotify original from Parcast. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from ParCast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from ParCast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Joe Guerra, with writing assistance by Alex Benedon and fact-checking by Cheyenne Lopez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Listeners, don't forget to check out the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. Every Monday and Thursday, take a deep dive into the minds and madness of history's most notorious murderers. You can binge hundreds of episodes, four years worth, and catch new episodes weekly. Listen to Serial Killers free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.